you guys can be seated, be seated, be seated. Once you high five your neighbor on your way to your seat, say, wake up, wake up, wake up. I love it, I love it. I love it. Man, y'all are ready today. I like that. I like it. Well, I, I am so honored that you're here and you're at church. And again, I say it every week. But I just love what God is doing in our church, and I just can't believe what I, I, we're in Murray, Kentucky, and God is doing the, the waves are happening right here. And I'm just believing that, again, our students are leaving for camp on Sunday next week. They're going to be going to camp again. It's going to be a great week for them. And I always tell the students that the wave starts in the student section. And so, man, I'm just going to be excited for what God is doing in our next generation. But right here in the middle of church, I'm just so excited that you're here in the summer. and we're, You're at church, and so we're going to be in this series continuing it for a few more weeks, and uh, it has been, anybody enjoyed this series so far? Anybody enjoyed it? I know in the summer we take like a deep dive into a book a lot of times, and so this summer we decided we're going to go in to the book of Revelation and talk through that, and so we're going to just stay in the first couple of chapters, but I'm excited today because of the fact that we are talking about something I think is very close to my heart when it comes to this idea of this church at Sardis. We'll talk about it in a second, but I have a quick question. Has anybody ever out there, and I love it all skate, I love to get everybody on the same page together, has anybody ever uh, right here heard of Bean Boozled? Any Anybody out there? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Bean boozled. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, where are my jelly bean fans at anyway? Anybody like those little plastic little things that you could chew on? I don't really like them myself. Okay, okay, I got it, got it, got it. Um, uh, so bean boozled is a, um, a, a, a game by jelly bean that if you actually go and you start, like this is this is a crazy game. So if you want to spice up your, your Christmas parties at your house with your family, go to Cracker Barrels, come on somebody, and grab you a, a couple of things of bean boozled. Because it's going to make things real interesting. If you don't know anything about Bean Boozled Jelly Beans, they're actually uh, a package of jelly beans that, listen, if you look at the jelly bean itself, there are many jelly beans inside of here, uh, but they have two different flavors on the inside, but they look the same on the outside. All right? So can I read you some of the flavors? About six of you. I said, can I read some of your flavors? I know my shirt is tucked in, but y'all got to at least talk to me today, okay? All right? Here we go. You ready? Liver and onions or cappuccino? Okay, so they're both brown. You don't know which one is which. You got to eat it. Come on, somebody. All right, here's another, here's another one. Um, oh, 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 that's gross. Ugh, an old Band-Aid or pomegranate. Um, uh, okay, that's gross. A rotten egg or buttered popcorn. Okay, so listen to me. As you reach your hand in this bag, those would both be yellow. You have no idea what on the inside it might look like because on the outside it looks the same. Okay, we'll keep going a little bit. Uh, how about barf or peach? <laughs> Man, this is getting interesting. Really, A booger or juicy pear? Come on, that's really, really bad. That's really bad. Oh, man, I'm telling you, whoo, that is tough. Okay, so here's my deal. I just thought we would play this together as a church, okay? And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not playing, all right? I'm going to say y'all's playing. I got the microphone. Come on, somebody, right? Ooh. Okay, so who's playing? Who wants to play right now? All of this youth right here, this section, I'm going with our students. Come on, can we give our students? Setting second row in the church. Come on, somebody. Watch this. Okay, here we go. I don't have no idea on the inside. I ain't got no idea. Okay, let's see. I'm just going to pick one. Okay. Ooh. Come on, Hayden, right here, bro. Okay, hang on. Let me, let me see which guy. Oh, 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 oh. 
Uh-oh. All right, here we go. Let's see which kind. All right, this is either, this is going to be, this is going to be, I can't tell the difference, if it's stink bug and toasted marshmallow or dirty dishwater and birthday cake. So, come on, Hayden, go for it. Birthday cake, hey! Hey, 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 All right, who, who else wants to play? Some more students. Okay, here we go. One more time. One more time. Ooh, this is a yellow one. So that's going to be either a rotten egg or buttered popcorn. Come on, my friend, right here. Right here. Let's see you. Let's see. Come on, bring me up a little house light so I can see these fam right here real quick. That'd be good. Bring a little house light. Okay, yeah. Yeah, come on. What is it? Oh! Oh! <laughs> Is it bad? Is it bad? It's a rotten egg. It's a rotten egg. Oh my gosh. It's somebody, mommy, you got some mints over there. Come on, we have. Come on, get that man a water. Give him something. He about to choke. Boy, you can drink the, the communion cup. It would be okay right now in front of everybody. It would be just, just fine right now. Rotten egg. All right. All right. There we go. We got some mints coming. There we go. Come on, let's give it up for my man right here. Going after it. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I, so, again, you want to spice up your family get-togethers? Bean boozled. Come on, somebody, right? And I, I love that game so much. I like it because a, a few years ago, we actually played it at a Christmas family event that we had. And uh, I got some of those rotten ones. And ones that on the outside look just the same. On the outside look good. But as you bite into it, come on, somebody. How many know it's rotten on some of them, all right? Like, the fact that you could bite into, like, these things are awful. Like, I just, stinky socks, dead fish, like, wow, that is nasty. And I got to thinking about that. It's funny how one thing can look one way on the outside, and yet on the inside it's completely different, right? And so I got to thinking about that, and I got to thinking, you know what, this is the exact same way it can happen in our lives, in our church, and with the church at Sardis that we're looking at today. And so I got to thinking about it, and again, this series, we've been talking about churches that Jesus is writing a letter to in the book of Revelation, and it's been really practical because I think God can speak to us, even though he wrote these letters to these churches, that there's something there for you and I, that we can learn, that the Holy Spirit can speak to you and I. And again, the first week, Ephesus, very influential. Week number two, Kyle talked about Smyrna, and it's a beautiful area, and Pergamum we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, the energy that was around that city, and, and Thyatira we talked about last week that was like blue collar, and all of these cities, all of these churches that were in these cities had things that they were doing well, but the fact is Jesus looks at them and says, hey, you've lost some things. You, you, you look one way, but you're really doing some things you probably shouldn't, and then we see right here in the week uh, that we're at number five. But we see this church at Sardis, and this church is a wealthy area. Uh, the, the city of Sardis was wealthy, prosperous city. They built their wealth. There's a lot of natural resources around there, a lot of gold. It was like the center of commerce. Business is booming. It was booming so much, it had multi-site. Come on, somebody. It was two locations. It went from the top where they had built it up on this hill. I mean, it, it overgrew that and started growing down into the valley. And again, what happens is... Is, is that Jesus sees this church that's planted right there in that city, and he looks at them, and he says some stuff that's pretty stout. 
He says some things that are pretty harsh. I think we can learn from today. And again, I like to give us just like a one-liner. If, if we can just uh, think back to what the church at Sardis, what they were walking out and what kind of church they were, I want you to write this down. The church at Sardis had become a superficial church. The church at Sardis had become a, I'm just going to say it like I said, like I'm thinking it, a fake church. They were fake. Tap your neighbor say, you, don't say you're fake. Just say, just don't be fake. Just say, don't be fake. Don't be fake. So, so I, I want us to understand something. Jesus looks at this church and says, hey, listen, I know all that you do and, and that you have a reputation for being alive, but watch what he says. But you are what? Dead. You're dead. And Jesus is saying, like the city that you're, like, like, like the mountain that your church is on, like on this city and in this city, this church may seem strong on the outside, may have had a good name and reputation, probably was once respected as a thriving church in the region. On the outside, the church of Sardis had its stuff together, looked like it, it had its appearance all good, but that appearance had not fooled Jesus. And he knows the inward state of their heart, and he also knew those who were genuinely seeking after him compared to those that were just going through the motions. And I got to thinking, just like these being boozled, just like the church at Sardis, what's being advertised is not what is always on the inside, right? And I, I want us to think about it. I want us to understand. I came to warn our church today, like warn all of us. Let's not be a superficial, fake church. Like that's not what we're called to. We're called to be an honest, open, and transparent church. Because you know why? Jesus knows the difference between reputation and reality. Reputation is what you want everybody to think about you. Reality is who you really are. And the church at Sardis sees that. They're experiencing that. And Jesus looks at them and says, hey, hey, you think you're alive. You've got the reputation of being alive, but really you're dead. I got to thinking about that. 1 Samuel chapter 16 in the Older Testament. I think a lot of times what we do is what we see is that we look on the outside and think, oh, everything's good, everything's fine. But again, I want us to just see how the Lord sees it. And the Bible says the Lord doesn't see the things that you and I see the way that we see them. No, no, people judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? Come on, say heart. heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Again, Jesus knows the difference between reputation and reality. And I'm just afraid, and I'm just honest, in the South, in church in the South, that's the danger that we're facing today. That's the danger that we're facing. How y'all doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Doing good. Jesus is so good. Praise him. Hallelujah. Right? And what happens is we get dressed up. I think that's probably why the Holy Spirit dressed me up today. My wife usually dresses me. The Holy Spirit dressed me today. Come on, somebody. All right? So like, I think a lot of times we get so enamored by the outside that we neglect the inside. I think we can get dressed up on a Sunday. Have it best on the outside. Look the part. Kids are smiling. No fighting. Come on, how many of y'all have ever fought on the way to church? Come on, somebody. Y'all been there? How, how, you know what I'm talking about? You fighting, you're slapping kids in the back or trying to hit whatever you can, you know what I'm saying? Like you're throwing shoes. Hopefully you have shoes on. You know, like there's all of these things that happen. And then what happens when you get to church? When you step out the car, what's got to happen? You can't be fine in the parking lot. We got a great park team. They're going to be like, well, something's wrong with the, the van on aisle three. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's wrong there? 
But, but what happens is when we pull onto a property, when we pull onto a church, and we say, oh, no, 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 we got to have it all together. We got to be good. We're like, well, man, I got to have my hair combed just right. I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to sit in the same seat. I'm going to walk out and go to Sunday lunch and have my stuff together. And reputation for being alive may be there, but really on the inside you're dead. And I came to wake some people up today. I came to just be your pastor and say, listen, I see something in you, just like Jesus saw in this church, that it's time to wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Listen, Purpose Church is a place where it is okay to not be okay. That you do not have all of your stuff together. It's okay to be in this place. I want you to understand, though, at the same time, it's just not okay to stay that way. Because here's what I know. You may have walked in here broken, but there's good news today because we know the healer. You may have walked in here lost as last year's Easter egg, but we've met the way, the truth, and the life. You may have walked in here desperate at the end of your rope, but we know the only thing worth holding on to, and his name is Jesus. You may have walked in here today, your life is chaotic, it's all over the place, but we know the Prince of Peace. You may have walked in here desperate, but we know the great provider. You may have walked in here hungry and thirsty, but we know the bread of life and the living water that if you drink of him and if you eat of him, you will never thirst again. And this church at Sardis had a good reputation, but the reality was they were just playing church and ultimately living a lie. And I can't help but think, as we're thinking through this and looking at this church, let it never be said of us that we would just come in the place, that we would just go through the motions when it comes to a relationship with the almighty living God. And I got to thinking about this other conversation. Obviously, Jesus is writing to this church. I got to thinking, as soon as I read that, I got to thinking about the Pharisees. Y'all know who I'm talking about in the Bible? Maybe you have heard of them, maybe you haven't heard of them. Anybody, when I say the word Pharisee, does anybody think of Jafar from Aladdin? Come on, somebody. Anybody? Like, that's immediately where my mind goes, okay? Maybe it's the ADHD. I don't really know. But, like, that's where I go. So, like, when I, you know, like, really long face and a long little skinny beard and, and all of that, and like this huge hat and like this flowy robe and like all of this stuff like that. That's kind of what I think about when I think about the Pharisees. But I want to let you know that the Pharisees during this time were like the standard, honestly. I think the Pharisees sometimes get a bad rap. And yes, they had the great motives, they had great intentions behind it, but they missed Jesus in the middle of it. And I think what happens is, is the Pharisees, man, they were the standard of holiness in that day. They were the standard of godliness. They were looked up to in society. They were, they were powerful. They strapped the Bible on their left arm and their forehead. Come on, somebody. I don't see you walking up into work with the, arm, the word of God on your arm and your forehead. Unless you got it tattooed up there. That'd be awesome, all right? But like this, they, they were like the standard. And so again, I think they get a bad rap a lot of times. But they were blinded by, by, by the things that were on the outside that they missed the inside. They missed the true meaning why Jesus would come. Like, if there's anyone who had their stuff together, it would have been these guys, these dudes called the Pharisees. But I love this interaction. I couldn't help but think as I was reading Revelation chapter 3 and deciding where we're going to go this week. And I could not get these guys out of my mind because there was a conversation that Jesus had with them back in Matthew chapter 23 that we see this exact same thing happening as he's telling the church at Sardis. Watch what he says. Verse 25. Matthew 23, he says, what sorrow awaits you? The old King James Version says, woe to you. Come on, somebody, right? What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, 
and you Pharisees. You're hypocrites. Watch what he says. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, verse 27, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And I got to thinking, you know what? It's easy to hide an ugly heart behind a pretty face. And a lot of times it happens in society. A lot of times it'll happen in church. Man, where we are not, we've got a lot of hypocrisy in our life. We've got a lot of lawlessness. We've got a lot of greed, a lot of self-indulgence. And I got to thinking about that. And I came to warn myself and I came to warn our church. Listen, let's not be so concerned with the outside that we neglect the inside. And again, when you only develop the things that people see, you end up emptying the things that really matter. And so what happens is when we're so worried about everything on the outside, we will, we will spend our entire effort being all of our life developing the things that people can see and we'll wind up being empty in the things that actually matter. I just came to challenge some of us today as your pastor. This is something I have to work through as well. I have to work through it all the time. Even as I lead our church, man, I'm trying to think, okay, hey, let's not just develop the things that people see on a Sunday. What's the character behind it? What's the heart behind it? And my thing is, Jesus looks at the Pharisees and said, oh, oh, the outside, man, listen, all the things people see, crispy. You look good, all right? You look like you got it together. But here's the thing. What happens is when you spend the majority of your time, energy, and effort worried about the outside is that you actually begin to be full of greed, self-indulgence, impurity, hypocrisy, and lawlessness on the inside. And I just, again, came to remind us today, listen, don't just be worried about the outside and neglect what's going on inside your soul right now. And I got to thinking about it. What are some signs and symptoms that you're living a fake life, right? And I got to thinking about it. Let's talk about it today, if that's okay. Everybody okay? Everybody still alive? All right? Let's talk about it. Signs and symptoms that you're living fake. You want to know the first thing is, is that your main motivation is to be seen by others. So, so you want to know a sign of how you're living a fake life where you want to just make sure the outside looks good but the inside's rotten away? You're more concerned with the appearance than you are authenticity. What happens is this is where we do all the right things, right? We come to church, we come to purpose, we're in a crew, we do all the Christian stuff that we know to do. But we do it so that other people will see us and ultimately give us recognition. And what happens is, if you do all of those things, let me, let me just pause for a second. If you did all of those things, but knew that nobody would ever find out, or that nobody ever saw or knew about it, would you still do those things? That's my question. And, and, and if you say, man, I, I probably wouldn't, come on, I think you're living a fake life. I think there's some stuff we gotta, we got to correct in that. And, and again, I'm saying this just for myself as much as I am to you today. What, what's the motivation behind the things that we do? What, what are the things that are driving us forward? And again, to be seen by others, that, if that's your main motivation, maybe you're living a fake life. Even Jesus approached some other people telling them the same thing. He said, watch out, pretty much saying, hey, wake up. Like, keep your eyes open. 
Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets. Oh, look at me, look what I did in the synagogue. Streets to call attention to their acts of charity. No, no, no. I tell you the truth. They've received all the reward that they will ever get. Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. Jesus is not saying don't pray in church. He's not saying that. He's saying don't pray so that people are looking at you. When I pray, I don't want attention to be brought to me. I want the attention to be brought to the one that we are praying to. And and he's he's warning people of that. Hey, I'll tell you the truth. That's the reward that they will get. That's it. Matthew 6, same chapter, verse 16. And when you fast, okay, these are spiritual disciplines that you're doing. These are things that are going on. These are things that, yes, people may see, may observe, may know. Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled. Hey, real quick, can y'all grab Kenny real fast? Somebody right there at that door, grab Kenny. Kenny, I'm so sorry. Kenny, I'm so sorry. Hey, Kenny, is, your, is it your, your family? I want to I wanna pray for you. It's your mama, right? Come on, come down here, Kenny, real quick, if you don't mind. Just feel it in my spirit when you pray for your family. God, we come to you right now. We pray for Kenny. We pray for his mom, his family, and what they're going through right now. And God, I just pray that you would just be with him and you would strengthen him and whatever they're walking through right now, that they would be a um, they would be able to find peace in your presence in the middle of it right now. God, we pray that there is a church behind them that loves them, that's cheering them on, that's 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 thankful for them and God we just believe that the best is still ahead for their family God we just pray that they would just continue to follow after you with everything we pray for complete healing in his mom's body in Jesus name I pray amen amen, amen. amen. love you yeah sorry sorry I, I didn't say if you guys uh, ever was looking for a reason to be at this church no one else does this so uh, that means a lot thank you so much love you thank you take a drink so I don't cry in front of y'all for a long time. We're going to have to record a second service just so y'all know. <laughs> just go ahead and prepare for that. <laughs> what I was saying was reputation is what everybody sees. Character is what is actual reality. What matters is who you are, not when you're on a platform, but when nobody is looking. And Jesus warns us not to be like that. Because if you find yourself living to be seen by others as your motivation, you're not going to be living a life of peace. And you're going to find yourself with no peace. It's the next thing. Symptom of living a life that's fake, you have no peace. None. So many times we think that if we could get it all together... We can get all this stuff on the outside. I get my job. I get my success. I get that raise. I get that relationship. I have no problems. Then we will finally have some peace. But the problem is, is that the peace that the world has to offer is only external peace, and it's temporary, and it's shallow. 
But Jesus offers a different kind of peace. John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. This is the Holy Spirit I'm leaving you with. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The peace that comes from Jesus is not temporary or, or shallow, but it's deep and it's everlasting. And it actually goes beyond our circumstances and is inside of us. So my question for you today would be, would you say, looking at your life from the outside, you may have it all together, but yet inwardly you're wasting away? Inwardly you have no peace whatsoever? I just want you to think about that today. Maybe it's because we're living fake. Maybe it's because we're living a fake life. Maybe another, another uh, symptom of living fake is that you have no passion. There's no passion thing that drives you, the thing that wakes you up in the morning, the thing that gives you meaning and purpose, and what happens is we chase passion without a solid foundation. We're thinking we're going, oh, if I go out there and again, if I stack this or if I do that, if I'm hustling in this area, my passion, I, I'll build it on that, and what happens is ultimately it leads to emptiness and letdown, and ultimately it burns you out again, and the fact is you have no passion in what you're doing, and my, my question would be for you today, would you say that you're empty? That no matter the experience, no matter the thrill, no matter the excitement, that you wake up every day and wonder why you're even here. Maybe that's where you find yourself. And if, again, this is Jesus writing to the church. Maybe you are a Christian and you find yourself with no passion. Here's the thing. Listen, my question would be, uh, like, what, what are you focused on? Like, are you focused on the outside? Or are you working on the inside? And you allowing God to work on the inside. So maybe you got no peace, no passion. Last thing I'd say is like no power. Sign or symptom if you're living fake is that you got no power. Like a car without an engine, the shell is there, but there's no ability to go anywhere because there is no power. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says that some people have the appearance of godly, but, uh, godliness but deny its power. My heart for you today is that when is the last time God did something powerful in you and through you? Because this is what I know. It's easy to just go through the motions. It's easy to be in the middle of the Bible Belt. And we often project public, but we neglect private. And I just got to challenge that in us today. Let's not live fake. Let's not be fake people or it will kill us. What's worse than dying? Probably coughing Christianity is what I'd like to say it would be. That, that, that you may have Jesus on the inside, but you have no peace, no passion, no power to do anything that God has called you to do. And I just want to challenge that in you. Peace, passion, and power are not byproducts of our environments as much as they are in posture, postures of our heart. And so how do we get this right? How do we get our peace back? How do we get our power back? How do we get our? Uh, how do we get the presence of God even back in our life and passion? I got a solution. I want you to write it down. Jesus gives us the recipe, and He says there's three word, three three little things that we can do: Re repent, remember, then step up your secret. So remember, repent, repent, remember, step up your secret. Jesus says in Revelation chapter two or 3, verse 2, he says, Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead, and I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. So go back, remember to what you heard and believed at first, hold firmly to it, repent, and turn to me again. 
And listen, I, I can't help but think, Kyle, if you don't mind coming up and playing, that would be great. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship in a second. We're going to respond. Because I feel in my spirit that today we're supposed to respond to the goodness of God's grace and mercy today that we're called to repent. Maybe you're in this place, David, after losing his peace, after losing his passion, after losing his power, he has a dialogue with God. So David is, is a man after God's own heart, but he's lost it. I mean, he's lost all of that. And he has this conversation with God in Psalm 51, verse 1. And he says this, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Right? Hey, forgive me, God, I'm repenting. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me, God, is just. I'm repenting before you, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Watch what he says. Purify me from my sins, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Watch what he says. Create in me a clean heart. It's more than external. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit where? Within me. Like on the inside of me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And today I'm asking our church to start with repentance. And in just a second, we're going to open up this altar. And I would just ask that you would not let anything stand in between you and God. That we would flood this altar with, with, with people that are saying, you know what? God can't heal what you're willing to hide. Listen. We got to be willing to lay it down before him. I don't want to just do church. I want to experience God's presence today. Then remember, remember what we've received and heard. Remember what God pulled you out of and pulled me out of. Remember that in my own life, he saved me as a little five-year-old boy from cancer. Just remember in your own life the addiction that maybe he set you free from, that, he, that had you bound for years of your life. And I believe that it has been released in Jesus' name. Like, 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 here's the thing. Remember what he's done. Remember people speaking life and encouragement into you when you were in a dark place. That if, if you will remember, man, it's going to get some passion back. And then step up your secret. When nobody is watching, step it up. Create in me. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Commit to the unseen. Commit to the things that nobody may see and watch as God honors the things that people can see and watch. I want to be a church full of people that's got some peace. So all across this room, would you mind standing to your feet right now? I, I want to be a church of peace, passion, of prayer. I got to thinking about it the other day. We're going we're gonna to worship in a second as I give an invitation. But I got to thinking about it the other day. I got to think, what what... Like, I don't want to be a fake church. I don't want to, I want to be a real church. I, I want to be a genuine church. And I got to thinking, when our kids grow up one day, one day, like, like, can you imagine, 
if, if for a second we were kind of like the church at Sardis, that for a little bit we were on fire, but then we kind of burned out a little bit, can you imagine them telling their friends about the church that they grew up to? Will they be telling them about what God used to do at Purpose Church? Will they be telling them about the people that used to give and invest in the generation that's coming up behind them? Will they, will they be telling about this place that had a revival that one time? Or will it be a place where the revival fire never died? Would it be a place, would it be a people that say, you know what, we're full of peace, we're full of passion, and we're full of power. Stephen Furtick says it like this, if you will find your purpose, you'll recover your passion. And if you haven't discovered your purpose, that's why you're here today. And I believe the Lord has been speaking to you that, listen, that we wouldn't just have some Sunday kind of faith just for a little bit, for an hour and 20 minutes in a service, but that we'd have a Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning, all week long, 24-7, 365 kind of faith. And we'd have that kind of peace. And we'd have that kind of passion. And we got to, you know what the, the first couple steps are? Repent, remember, and then step up your secret. If we would be willing to do that, I just believe God is going to just, man, I, oh, man. Watch as you commit to, to developing the inside that he takes and use you in ways that you never thought possible.